all right. We got Leela too. We're all right. People are allowed to sit. Look, we'll let some people tie this week and sit in the back row. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's good to hear what's happening in people's lives, isn't it? It's just, you know, that's a joy, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Well, Matt, um, um, I think I think the i the idea of um, you know what we're going to share in this morning is almost a little bit of a it it's um, could feel like a conflicting idea or maybe things that don't necessarily immediately go together. Um, but I think there's an important connection to make um, between repentance and healing. And I think sometimes the broken parts of us, that's where we need healing, can feel like such a victim. You know, and, and, and when we feel like we're in a place of victim, repentance is not possible. Because uh, what I'm a victim to, I'm not responsible for. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I think one of the greatest things robbing our healing is the absence of repentance. Or put it the other way, I think one of the greatest releases of healing is repentance. Can you make that connection? Like what is the connection between repentance and healing? Can you... Let's spitball some ideas. What's, what's the connection between repentance and healing? Just think about it for a second. Go, all right. How's that work? What can we see? Yeah, acknowledging what needs healing. Yeah, you got to see first, don't you? You got to see. Yeah, I like that. that it's somebody else's problem, yeah, can rob us of the disposition of receiving healing, yeah, for sure. But what about when it is someone else's fault? And what if it is someone else's fault? Just, we'll, we'll, we'll loop back around to that. What other, what other thoughts do we have? Aya? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, ultimately, I'm not responsible for you, but I am 100% responsible for me. And so the place in which I find myself when I pick up an empowered sense 
of responsibility, all the options are on the table for responding. So when something bad happens to me and I find myself trapped in someone else's errant way, so someone intentionally crashes into me in a car park, you know, that's not a very nice thing. Just, you know, and now I feel angry, I feel bitter, I feel uh, maybe fearful, you know, whatever the state that I find myself in. You know, I'm a victim of someone else's action in the car park. But, but I can get stuck in that place. I could think for three weeks about how horrible it is that someone would do that to me. You know, I'm, and I'm responsible for that state. Someone did that to me, but now it's producing something in me because I'm partnering with the thoughts of it and I'm allowing it to dominate my mind. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm now, I'm a victim of that and someone shouldn't have done that and then I wouldn't have to feel this way. But the truth of the matter is I don't have to feel this way. I'm, it's now my choice what I do with what's happened to me. Do, does that make sense? I mean, you, you can take that on a long, but, but from a spiritual sense, you know, uh, uh, healing does not occur without repentance. You know, it's like, if, um, um, And I mean, it, it, seems a, it, it seems a strange relationship because the part of us that's broken doesn't feel empowered. It doesn't feel like it, it's responsible. It, doesn't, it feels pain. It feels uh, broken. And someone needs to come and fix this. Someone needs to do something. Jesus needs to do something about this. You know, but the truth of the matter is so many of the broken parts of us are the agreements we've made, are the identity that we've partnered with, and, and it's in my power to either hold on to that or to let that go. And when I find something in my life that I have partnered with intentionally or unintentionally, it is in my power to repent and turn from that and turn back to Jesus in that area. And in that space, I've empowered the healing power of Jesus to come into another place in my heart. Does that make sense? You know, I think, um, I think Jack Frost puts this really well in his book, From Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. Has anybody read it? We've talked about it a lot, particularly a long time ago, but he talks about his path. He talks about his path to becoming a son and his path of healing with his parents. And so he talks about this process of first forgiving them, for the things that they weren't and the things that they were that shouldn't have been. And so his, his first step to freedom as a son is forgive, right? This is, this, is, this is the process that he moved through personally. And then, you know, like, I, as I recall it, he had an alcoholic father. He had a kind of unaffectionate mother, an uncaring mother. Um, let's go with that loosely. It was a while ago. But, um, you know, and then God took him in this process of going now go and ask forgiveness from your mom and dad? He's like, what for? They were horrible. What do I need to ask forgiveness for? They were incredulous. Like, I, I don't need to be forgiven. They are to blame. And he started to process, like, how he had partnered with 
the things that had been landing in his state of unforgiveness towards his parents. And he started to recognize that actually he had negatively affected the relationship. He had partnered with false views of his parents. You know, there was a whole bunch of stuff in the mix of this, of this broken state of pain that he found himself in as a man who was growing where he needed to return to those who had hurt him and who were unrepentant for the hurt that they had caused and ask forgiveness. I mean, that's a very empowered picture, right? Like, that's a very, like, um, that's a very empowered picture that goes, actually, uh, I'm going to take responsibility for what I've partnered with here, and I want to be free from that. And really, that's where repentance begins to play its, its role in our healing. So the... Um, yeah, the, the notion that I'm a free being, this is a very empowered idea. It's a very empowered idea that you are living the fruit of what you choose to focus on, to believe, to partner with, to release into your life, to think on. This is that you, you, are, you, you are in a free state of being today. That's the reality. Now, it might not feel that way. It might feel like, but these emotions rule me, or that situation rules me, or what I didn't have rules me, or what I do have rules me, whatever the case might be. But the truth of the matter is, we can make choices to step outside of that which we feel like is bigger. What are we allowing to be the most powerful thing in our story? You know, in my story, what holds all the power today? Think about the things that you are giving power to. If you're a free being, and the gift of God is that you've been given the power to live a life. What do you give power to in your story? What are the things you confess? What are the things you think about? What are the things you repeat? What are the things you believe? What are the things you're giving attention to? It's like you're giving power to something in your story, right? And when the broken parts of you give power to the oppressed parts, to the depressed parts, to the broken, to the, to the hurting parts, when, when that's what I give power to, when I go, the greatest thing that has power in my story is that I am a victim of these things. There is no freedom ever, ever, because you gave the power to those things. So how do we take that power back? We take responsibility and we say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I gave this identity power in my life. Forgive me, it's not the truth. Now give me your truth. And now I've been given something new to give power to in my story. Is, is, is Jesus getting power in our story? Are we giving him power in our story? And when we wait for him to have the power to come and do in our life what we desire him to do, but I'm counteracting that by empowering the things which are contrary to it, my, my bondage is on me. Do, do you know what I mean? I don't know if I'm making sense. You know? And that feels like to say that, to say that to a part of our heart that's stuck in a place of victim is entirely offensive. To say the bondage I find myself stuck in is on me, like that's a really hard thing to say. Like, is that offensive? I think it's offensive. I think that, but, but it, it, it is the truth. And so even to imagine in a place of brokenness needing to be the one who needs to repent, that's a very empowered disposition. You know, in the place that I find myself in pain to recognize that I've partnered 
story. I've partnered with an identity. I've empowered a thought. I've allowed something to control in my life that was never meant. You were never meant to be a victim. And lots of things have happened to us. That, that's the truth. Like genuinely, there are moments of victimization. But when we live in a place of victim, now that's on, now that's on us. That's a bondage we can choose to continue to partner with or not. And a, and a place of victim bondage will never repent. It will never take responsibility for empowering a story to control our life. But that's our power. Do you know what I mean? Let's, let's read a couple of verses that hopefully will, will help us with this. You know, and I think in a, in a broad spiritual sense, I think, I think the repentance that Jesus is calling us to is, is one that acknowledges that we've partnered with something other than the truth for us. This is the spiritual battle for our lives, right? Like this is the truth that rescues. You know, Ben read this verse last week at the end of church. Oh, we'll blame you. We will, we will, we'll blame you. He read it, so 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, but whenever, whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You know, we sang that in this song that we just sang, you know? I can finally see. I can see God for what he is. I can see myself for who I am. This fog, this veil, this thing which was obstructing my view has been removed. It's repentance that allows us to see the truth. We don't necessarily see the truth and then repent. Repentance leads us to a new truth. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of Lord is, there is liberty emancipation from bondage, true freedom. And we all with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. You know, I take this to go like there is this increasing freedom that comes as we repent of the view of ourself and of God that isn't in keeping with who he truly is. Like, what do you do in your life when you see something that isn't true? Repentance is your key. That is your key to producing freedom in the new truth in which you hope to receive. I read a scripture and I saw that, wow, God is a provider. Ah, I see that. Actually, I don't believe he's a provider. Repent. You cannot pick up that truth if you don't repent. God, I'm so sorry that I have not believed you would provide. My experience has not been one that's been consistent with that. I repent of the false belief that you're going to fail me or that you're not going to be there. And now what you've done is you've stepped into seeing things as they truly are, a new freedom that comes. I've stepped into partnership with his spirit. I'm bringing myself into alignment with the things of God. I'm not waiting for that scripture to come and do what I hope it would do. I'm not waiting for God to prove himself to be my provider. I'm repenting of the fact that I've refused him as provider because I've believed he won't provide. That's on me. That's on me. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, times that by, you know, the things that occur in our life. And I think the beautiful thing about this verse is it says we're progressively being transformed. We need, we need healing to be transformed. We need to, we need to be changed from the, the, the inner space of bondage we find ourselves in. And our key for that is repentance. God, I'm letting go of this. I'm turning away from this. I'm turning towards your truth. What do you say? What do you see? I'm going to partner with that. You know, I mean, it sounds so simple. But I mean, when was the last time you found yourself saying, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. 
Because I think I think like this is a tool that should be in every week of our lives, being progressively transformed by repenting of the things that aren't in alignment with what God says or sees or has released to us. And now I am empowered to partner with the truth of God in my life and in my story and to receive him as he truly is. Yeah, but God isn't showing up in my life that way. Well, you don't believe he will. You've partnered with a message that says something different, or you don't believe you're good enough, or you don't believe it's going to count for you. Whatever the things are that sit in that space that go, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. It's like, well, those yeah, buts are in your power, and repentance releases you from them. Do, do you know what I mean? And this isn't a, like, this isn't a, you better sort this out and go repent. You know, this is like, well, Ben, maybe just for you then. But it's like, you know, this is, this is like the keys that I think we're, we're, we're maybe like not like familiar enough with. You know, like when I, I mean, I mean, this is a relational tool, right? This is a relational tool. And we don't see everything. I mean, I remember the moment in my relationship with, with Lila where Jesus said to me like, Brad, I need you to make some changes. You know, you have some unrealistic expectations of Lila and actually those expectations feel really right and righteous. Like, you know, this was in a season where things were different than they are today. And it was like, show up to church and be a nicer person and do some good and use who you are. And, you know, those were the expectations that I had of Leela. And I mean, to, to everyone here would say amen, you know, like pull, pull her into line. Let's have it. You know what Jesus said to me? I was, I don't know how he can. He says, Brad, like your unrealistic expectations of Leela are partnering with the work of the enemy in her life. Okay, I couldn't see that before. Jesus, I'm so sorry. Jesus, first of all, I've got to get right before God. I thought I was doing something good, and in fact, I'm working against you. But now I've got to go to Lila. This is a relational tool, Lila. I'm so sorry that I've held unrealistic expectations of you and partnered with something other than God's purpose for your life. I'm going to change. And it's the change that's the harder bit, because now i just got to go, hey, Whatever God's got, that, that's what we're going to partner with. And I might not like it, and it might not feel nice to me or might not seem nice to me, but I'm going to believe that that's the place of freedom, you know? And that's a relational restoration that goes, I'm in the wrong, I'm sorry. I'm going to partner with the truth now, and we're going to move forward together, right? You know, it's like, well, it's the same with Jesus. If he is a loving God, and I've not believed he's had any love for me, I want to say I'm sorry to him. You know, if he is seeking to provide for my life, and I believe that he doesn't care about me. And that's the idea that I've partnered with. I need to come and say sorry for that. It's not who he is. It's not, that's not, I've, you know, it's like if, if you live thinking, oh, Brad's just selfish and he's running a church so that he can get lots of money. And you've just been living, thinking that for days on end. And it's like, all of a sudden the veil gets lifted. All of a sudden the veil gets lifted. Do you know what you do? You come and you say, I'm sorry. And something gets restored. I see the truth now of who you are, but I was partnering with something different. That's repentance. Repentance is, God, I'm sorry. I'm partnering with something other than the truth of who you are, of who I am. Like, you know what? If you're living believing that you're a failure or you're not good enough, you have some repenting to do. Because what you're standing there saying is that, Jesus, you didn't make me good enough. You're partnering with something that isn't the truth. And it feels like, oh, you make me repent of being a failure. Now I'm a failure because I'm a failure. Now, oh, failure, now i got to take... No, it's like this is the empowering part that goes, Jesus, I've been living in a belief that I'm a failure, and I'm so sorry you did not make me a failure. 
That's a, that's a very restoring healing. It's like Jesus doesn't, he can't come and convince you that you're not a failure. It's like that's yours to repent of and say, this is not the truth. You know, when we find something in our life that's not in keeping with what God says or who he says we are or what he says he is, we repent, we move forward, we turn, we change. Let's, let's read a couple more verses. This is not a profound message. It's just a very... Is that's really I've said the same thing 16 times already, and I'll spare you me saying it another 20. We'll read two verses and we'll have a discussion about it. But the truth of the matter is, I think repentance is lacking from our rhythms, and I think it's robbing us of healing. I think we see things and we forget that it's my empowered choice to repent of it. If you've seen it, get on it. This thing can lose its power in your life. Give the power back to Jesus. Take the power off that thing because if, if I'm choosing to hold on to it, and then, then it's, you know, well, we heard the story. Revelation 2, verse 2 to 5. I know your deeds and your toil. This is, you know, this, this um, in early in Revelation, you know, there's the seven words to the seven churches. I think it's a really interesting church that every church, uh, sorry, I think it's a really interesting thing that the Spirit of God had something different to say to every church had something to address that was unique for different people groups, you know? And, and I think, you know, yeah, I think, you know, we talked about this a bit last week, that we as a people, we share foundations. And we also, God's spirit will come and work something collective among us. And he'll address things collectively. And, you know, I think these words are not individual words. And if you hear them as being spoken over a people, you know, it changes it. It's like, okay, we're sharing something together. This is our fight. Anyway, this is one of those seven words. And I feel like two of them really um, speak to us as a people at the moment. Um, you know, and they, they both, um, ne neither of them are particularly heavy. They're both pretty encouraging, to be honest. So anyway, let's, we'll do this one. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 to 5. I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives of Christ, and in fact are not, and have found them to be liars and impostors. And I know that you who believe are enduring patiently and bearing up for not my name's sake, and that you've not grown weary of being faithful to the truth. I mean, those are good things. Yeah, those are good things. But... I have this charge against you, that you have left your first love, that you've lost the depth of love that you had, that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you've fallen and repent and change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove the lampstand, the church, its impact from its place unless you repent. You know, this... This word to this church, was that heavy, Mel? That's not too, that, that is, well, the last bit, well, let's not, you know, we're not going to get there. We're talking about repentance. You know, we're not, we're not, we're, we're repenters, so we're ready, right? We're ready to receive this. Repentance is a simple act of turning our inner life toward God. That's, you know, saying repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking. You know, it's like, well, that's what we, you know, and this, this, is, this is saying like, if you find yourself in a place where the love for God, you know, I really, 
Oshlani was here because I feel like you know she's she's kind of finding herself in this passage at the moment. You know, she was sharing that last week. She's sharing it again this week. Maybe she didn't share it publicly last week, but you know, she's like you know she sort of came to this place a couple of weeks ago and maybe a little bit longer. And she was like, oh, basically quoting this verse. You know, I feel like my love is fading, and you, you know, as she's turning and repenting from that, something's opening up to her. That's a testimony of the truth that we're talking about here today. It's like, you know, if there is a love for God that is waning, if there, if something feels distance that distant that once was, it's like repent, turn back, turn toward, allow something to establish and reestablish and go, okay, it's not because he's gone cold. It's not because he's far away. It's not because I've done something wrong. I'm not being punished. This, this is, this is in my power to change. Jesus, I'm sorry. What has had my attention? Where am I? What is, you know, where is this love? You know, that, that's our opportunity. And, that, and, and when we, you know, when we pursue, okay, when our motive for pursuing God is that we would be gratified, satisfied, or have everything we want, um, I'm not sure this recipe works. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Because we're waiting for something maybe that God never promised, or maybe maybe that's our first place of repentance. I'm sorry, God, that I've been entitled or I've demanded something of you that you didn't promise or you didn't ask. And actually, I'm going to write this story. I'm going to come after you for the love that you have. You know, like maybe, maybe that's where we start in, in the mix of this. And maybe we back off of God because he didn't give us everything we want or because it didn't play out the way we thought it was going. There's a hundred things in this story. But the truth of the matter is there's, there's a turning for us toward that repentance releases. Yeah, I think I was. I think we'll park it there. Yeah, it feels a little messy. Uh, you know this this idea. I think like no one's poking their finger in your chest this morning to go. You know, repent. You know, I think it's like, hey, the key. If you find yourself stuck in some places where you want to be free of some bondage, can I pass you the key of repentance? And what in the story of the place of bondage that you find yourself can you choose to remove the power from, repent and hand it to Jesus that he might heal in that story? Does that make sense? Is it, is it, is it practical? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on this idea of um, concede, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I'm not sure. And, you know, really, that's, that's, that's Jesus saying to me, you have some repenting to do. You know, because he's saying, he's asking me to concede, Brad, would you accept as true what you have resisted? You know, he's saying, you know, to concede is to cease to oppose that which I once resisted and to accept it. You know, and I think really it was a call to repentance is what he was asking for. You know, and it's like, okay, God, where is what I'm empowering in my life resisting you? That's my place of repentance. If that's in my own view of my identity, if it's in a storyline that's played out through my life, if it's in a view of God, 
you know, repentance is our tool to turn and receive and healing flows in the, you know, freedom comes in the place of repentance, as Second uh, Corinthians says. So let's take 10 or 15 minutes to chat about this. And, yeah, and then I think, you know, we're going to, we're just going to create some prayer space here this morning. So, yeah, let's jump into groups of four or five and let's have a bit of a chat about this idea of, the relationship between repentance and healing and um, yeah, the place of seeing bondage broken by taking responsibility for the views that I'm empowering in my own story. Yeah. Yeah. Having this simple truth today is that when we become people who are well familiar with saying, I'm sorry, Jesus, we become people who are being transformed progressively, you know, and, and there just needs to be a freedom in our lives to say, I'm so sorry. I couldn't see it. I didn't know it. But now I do. And this isn't what I want. This isn't what I'm wanting to partner with. This isn't what I'm wanting to release into my life, into my home, into my family, into my identity, into my work, into my call, into my purpose, into my faith life. You know, I think that repentance is as, is as simple as saying I'm sorry. When we find things in our life that don't belong, that aren't from God, that aren't his ideas, you know, when you think about your life, what am I giving power to? When we say, I'm sorry to God for that which we want to refuse to give power to, we've turned to him and given him power in an area he didn't have it. That's transformation. We're not waiting for his spirit to come and accomplish what he has no permission to. And where I give him permission is when I open myself up and I go, I'm the one who's been given power over this life. You know, and the truth of the matter is in this story is we are victims of the scheme of an enemy who wants to oppress, depress, hold up and keep in bondage those who have chosen Jesus. But we can't leave it there. That's not the most powerful story. The most powerful story is, but we have a God who's more powerful than any of that. And when I choose to give him power in places where I've been knowingly or unknowingly empowering something else, it flips the story over. And I think this morning, like, you know, we would be remiss not to like stop and pause and be in this moment. And, and just, just you know, it's like there's no day there's not something that I could say, I'm sorry. Would you come and take up residence in this place? Would you come release truth to me? Would you come displace this with your power, with your authority, with your space and your place? And that's just our prayer this morning. And healing flows in a place where I'm sorry flows freely. You know, it's like the, the old, um, you know, safe people aren't people who don't stuff up. Safe parents aren't parents who don't yell at their kids. Safe parents are parents who go to their kids when they've done something wrong and say, I'm really sorry. It, it's not okay to talk to you that way. I'm really sorry. And that's restoration. You know, when we take responsibility, we restore. We're seeking to restore God's power in the places where he hasn't had it. That's our choice. And, and great followers of Jesus aren't people that don't have anything to say I'm sorry for. They're people who are practiced in saying I'm sorry when we see those things. Yeah, that's that's the release. So we're going to worship and just be in this moment. And, you know, our, our goal is not that we would have self-flagellating people, but that we would have empowered followers of Christ who are increasingly being transformed from glory to glory into more and more 
of what Christ has for us. And I've, I believe these are keys to that in our home and in our lives. So if I'm still standing here alone. I don't know what's happening. Thank you.